What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to the Friday, October 8th, 2021 edition of Locked on Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs. On today's episode, we sit down with WQAM and voice of the Dolphins, Joe Rose, former Miami Dolphins great, to discuss the current state of affairs with the 2021 Miami Dolphins, including how this rebuild has gone awry and how we need to be focusing our attention on this team moving forward. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Dolphins. This is your host, Kyle Krabs, director of scouting at draftnetwork.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first listen of the day, making sure you're getting all of your latest and greatest news regarding your Miami Dolphins. Today on the show, Joe Rose, WQAM, the Joe Rose Show, voice of the Dolphins, 1980 to 1986, the man who caught Dan Marino's first career touchdown pass. He's going to sit down and and talk about these Dolphins and what the heck went on in September. How much of it is fixable? How much of it is missteps in in the rebuilding process? And where Miami can go from here? So with that said, let's get after it. Let's welcome Joe Rose here to the show here on this Friday episode of Locked on Dolphins. Joined once again on the program here on Locked On Dolphins by our dear friend Joe Rose. Had the great opportunity to speak with him and Zach Krantz on WQAM on Thursday morning. Joe, gracious enough to return the favor. Come on, Locked On Dolphins. Joe, how's it going, my man? I'm doing great. Yeah, and you were fantastic in South Florida. Appreciate you coming on the radio. Um, It's good. It's fun to talk about all the things. I wish it could be more positive. Um, so I can just tell you, you know, I've been getting a lot of heat because I said all those young guys from these last two drafts, they're all going to get better. And apparently nobody forgets anything that I said before this thing started, that uh, everybody will get better, including the quarterback who's injured to a tongue of Iloa. But there's still hope, man. It's a long season. Some of these guys will get better, right? Right. And so we, we've played four football games and that that's kind of a big picture view that I've struggled with a little bit here on the show is kind of juggling okay, we, the season's not over. There's a lot that can unfold. And if you do happen to go out and beat Tampa in week five and chance to get back to 500 playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in week six, and if for as big of a mess as the Dolphins are right now, Jacksonville's an even more big mess than, than Miami is. So it's not like the seat, like we're just flushing the toilet on this thing, but I don't know about you, but I've, I've personally tried to, to look at the team through a different lens and it's a little bit more of an evaluation and it, it's not, there's no expecting to win anymore, right? It's let, let's figure out what things are working, what things are not working. And that's really the only way I can, I can yeah. process this shift that's happened. So I, I'm curious from your perspective, we've talked a, a couple of times when you've last been on about the passion that you have for the team. You know, how, how is your perspective in going into a game week at this point in time? Um, so, so I will tell you, I take these, losses way too hard for a guy my age it's it's ridiculous but yes I do you you feel and I know you feel the same way um there's just a lot this is doesn't look like a coach Flores coach team through the first four games that that's the thing the penalties um the mistakes that they're making uh the turnovers costly turnovers 
Special teams is about as bad as I can remember last week, and they were so good a year ago. Mm-hmm. You can just go on and on. The few plays you do make, uh, you make a play early in the game for almost 30 yards to Will Fuller down the field, puts you in great field position. I think it was a 28-yard play. Gets called back. All of a sudden, you're in third and long. You can't get the first down. You end up punting instead of getting three points, if not finishing a drive for seven. So those kind of things have been frustrating, and it's kind of been an overall theme through these first four games. Um, bottom line is this. I, I always go back to this. These young guys got to get better. The young players have to get better. And a lot of them I'm talking about make up that offensive line. I know you say this all the time. The 53-man roster, for the most part, is what it is. And it, it's not changing. This is not college football. This is uh, not high school where you got 120 guys on a team. Maybe if you got a really good program and you flip another guy in there, this is what you have. So, um, we got a lot of guys that got to continue. We're going to keep going with Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg on the outside. They need to continue to play well or get better, excuse me. And um, and if they don't, you know, it's it's going to be a long season because the old offensive line and the quarterback are connected to each other and they're connected to the wide receiver position and, you know, a position we thought was a position of strength. Um, but for the most part, we got to clean it up and play winning football. And uh, I think people know field position, not turning the ball over penalties on plays that get called back or penalties on a fourth down punt that automatically after you get a stop defensively, those big guys didn't even get a chance to get to the bench and the coaches are screaming, get back in there. One of our guys just jumped off sides. They got a first down. That stuff can't happen. It just, it can't happen. Not in this league. So those are the kind of things we're talking about. Got to get cleaned up quickly. Yeah, Joe, uh, to your point, they've been penalized 27 times in four games and they were penalized 74 times all of last season. It's it's inexplicable, really. And, and I don't I hear you say, you know, people don't forget what I said about all these young guys getting better. And, and clearly the coaching staff felt these all of these young guys were going to get better, too, because you kind of evaluate and you look at the inexperience that exists in so many different turns, you know, from the coaching staff with uh, Eric Studisville has never been a, an offensive coordinator before he's co-coordinator with George Gotzi and coach Lem on the offensive line, first year coach, uh, Charlie Fry, first year NFL coach, you know, he's an offensive coordinator for two years at a directional Michigan school. And that's it. Like that's the extent of his experience. And he's gotten a headset talking to the quarterback before the snap. So coaching staff, significant spots, problem spots from last year. A lot of inexperience. So uh, it it extends beyond just what we see from a personnel perspective. And and that's kind of, as I've I've tried to digest everything that's happening, what I've come to is kind of the root of what the slow start is about, despite all the players coming back and saying, okay, we need to start fast guys because we got a lot of guys were returning from last year's team. You got a lot of instability in, in critical parts because you don't have any experience or leadership in a lot of these avenues. It's a great point. And we went real young on this. I know we like to brag about how young the team is. Well, that's great that they're young, but you can still be young and productive and, and we're not getting it. And, and I guess the other part is you watch other games and you see first year and second year players just tearing it up. I mean, mm-hmm. there are a lot of rookies that come right in and they don't miss a beat. It would be nice to get some of that. Um, I feel a little better about Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle here recently I thought it beat Jalen Phillips. One guy started to turn it on as a pass rusher. The disappointing thing, let's get right to it, is has been the 2020 draft. Tua injured, 
has not helped because that was one of the knocks on him coming out of college and even last year. And listen, I'm not saying it was his fault. It wasn't, you know, but the fact is he had to go on IR and, you know, so, so you're looking at that. He'll be back most likely next week against Jacksonville, but you look at that and Igben Ogany, not, not on the field, not even suiting up most games and Austin Jackson and his problems. Those are three number one picks in the same draft. That's a lot of guaranteed money and a lot of high draft picks to not being able to get something uh, really good players, uh, young developing players. We haven't seen enough out of any of them yet. And, uh, and by the way, too, will have plenty of time to show when he comes back, he'll still have, I tell everybody, he'll have a college season, most likely coming back to show what he can do. Football is back, baby, and better than ever, all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for yet another football season. And as always, betonline.ag is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Yeah, and you know th- this is a, a critical evaluation window for you know everybody on the roster, and, and you know that that extends all the way up to Stephen Ross, right? And the ownership of the team. You know he he's evaluating his investment. He was sold on this Absolutely. rebuild in 2019 and building a sustainable winner and building through the draft and so on and so forth. And, and I'm really still very excited about the 2021 draft class. You know, and between the two guys that you mentioned, the first round. Javon Holland, who I, I would love to see continue to get more and more snaps uh, so, so we can maybe see him start to get in a position to make some impact plays. Right. Obviously, communication on the back end is really important, so they're they're slow playing that, and they've done that quite a bit with a lot of players. Uh, and then Liam Eikenberg is getting action. Uh, he's been irregular, but, you know, again, going back to something we've talked about a number of times, he's been lining up in three separate spots already. And we're through week four, he's left guard, left tackle and right tackle. So kind of hard to get settled in. So we'll see if they're going to hold firm and then play him at right guard or right tackle, uh, how he progresses from here. But it almost feels like to, to your point, this might be too little too late for, you know, the expectations that were coming into this season. I don't know if you get to the end of the road and you have a losing season, how, whoever's at the top signing all the checks doesn't look at this whole picture and say, we got to change something. We got to, we got to shake this thing up a little bit. Absolutely. The the collaborative effort is great, but no, too many agreeing opinions in the same room, maybe not asking enough hard questions like, Hey, do we need some experienced starters on the offensive line? So I I think that's my next question for you is a lot of dolphins fans already kind of, thinking about how to fix this problem. Right. And um, I've seen some that are advocating go out and draft, you know, spend your two draft pit, top two draft picks next year on offensive linemen. Hear that? My argument is it's great, but you got seven first, second or third year offensive linemen on the roster <laughs> right now. They're all physically talented, right? They're not refined. So would be really curious from your perspective, 
Do you think at the root of this thing on the upfront on the offensive line, this is a talent issue, or maybe this is, you need some more finished products. You need to know what you're getting. So maybe we take some of this top three salary cap space that we have next year and we apply that and get some established NFL talents and bring them in. Cause that's the one thing that's that we didn't do a lot of this past off season. Uh, we swung the bat with Jacoby Brissett or uh, Jacoby Brissett as a backup and Will Fuller at the wide receiver position. And, and that's obviously not materialized well for Miami and that's kind of out of their hands. Yeah. There, there's a bunch of different parts because of Will Fuller, you just threw me a curveball who is uh, suspension missed a game for personal reasons and now on IR and like, you know, he's every time he goes down and gets tackled, he's slow getting up. And I, I'm, I'm almost to the Preston Williams point of, I mean, you were a top free agent last year, man. You were it. You, you were the guy that we got teased with, with the season you had before your suspension with the Texans. Mm-hmm. You're hoping to get a motivated guy. That's like, I'm 27 years old. I'm coming in here to get a new contract and show you I'm a big play guy. We can't even get him on the field right now. So that's frustrating. Let's get back to that offensive line. It's a great, it's a great point. First of all, let's go to Steven Ross. Cause he's a key player in this. He, he signed off on this game plan of we're going to load up on two big drafts, five mm-hmm. ones, four twos, three threes, and we'll trade for another one. So, so you do all those things and he signs off on it, obviously. Okay, it's going to be tough. You know, all right, great. Well, you, now you got to answer if this thing doesn't get better by the end of the year and you got to call Chris Greer and front office staff in and you got to have a serious talk and you got to explain because that guy's a fan. Um, I will say this on behalf of Stephen Ross. I get it every year on the radio. This is Stephen Ross. This is Stephen Ross. It's not Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross is a fan. He's got favorite players. He does ask his guys about him when he sees one and he's watching college football and he'll say, Hey, I kind of like that guy. What do you think of him? And they'll give an evaluation. He's got that right of this guy that buys the team. I think most owners are that way, but he doesn't go around telling the team to take this guy or that guy. I like you'll take him and you'll like it. He's not going to do that. He leaves those guys that are running things, Chris and his staff, the coaching staff, all those guys to make those decisions. I'm not saying Steve Ross gets a complete hall pass because he's still hiring the people at the top, pays them a lot of money to run things and believes in them. But uh, so far, it's uh, it's not a good grade for the first four games. It just hasn't been good. I was concerned when we went so young on this offensive line with no experience except Jesse Davis, who was left tackle, uh, left guard. He's now our left guard at this thing. So, so we've got Jesse Davis playing left guard. Um, I guess we found out Solomon Kinley, who started all last year. He's the fall guy for the start of this. And they decided he was the weak link of the group. But this group's got to get better. They went through this game plan, and they're stuck with it. Hey, it, Kyle, it's not going anywhere. This is it, right. man. Uh, Austin Jackson, um, Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg going to play a lot of football. They have to. we got to find out. My God, if we can't find out for Austin Jackson after two full years as a starter, he's either got to start trending up or trending down. And right now it's it's been trending down through this first month. And so um, it is frustrating. And then you go forward. Hey, listen, honestly, some of the veteran free agents the last two years haven't worked out or they got rid of quickly, whether you liked them or not. We spent a lot of money on some guys. I'm Stephen Ross. I'm going, hey, today we're going to have a big meeting on draft picks and top free agents that we spent money on. 
that I've spent money on. It's my money. Let's talk about that. What happened? Right? He's got a right to know. Hey, give me the grades. Tell me what you saw. I'm yours for the day. We got an 81-year-old owner, and he wants to win right now. Had a chance to spend a little bit of time with him um, uh, the night of the Don Shula celebration in the back in the tent. Man, that guy wants to win, wants to win now. How do you think he feels sitting next to the NFL commissioner with 150 of the top players to ever have a Dolphins uniform there for the weekend for Don Shula celebration? Um, he's a proud guy. Couldn't have felt good about what he saw with 90 plus yards through three quarters. No embarrassment, no shame to be found with Built Bar in your kitchen cabinet, in your glove box, in your lunchbox, in your briefcase, in your work desk, in your nightstand, and just in your stomach in general. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are A1. They're delicious. They're high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar, and they've got nine different delicious flavors for you to choose from. So make sure you visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you can save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% on your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. And that kind of gets us into another Pandora's box of a question that has endless explanations and opinions and possibilities and the offense in general. And the last two games... We've gotten to the fourth quarter and suddenly there's a little bit of life and urgency because there has to be, because you're down two scores in the fourth quarter of a football game. I was down there for, for the game against Indianapolis. So I got to see it firsthand and and had a chance to go back and look over the coach's tape. And I have some complaints and gripes about, you know, spacing with wide receiver routes and, and running into heavy boxes and so on and so forth. But the biggest thing that stood out to me is I had like 15 seemingly straightforward reads throws pitch and catch that Miami at the quarterback position could not connect on against Indianapolis, whether it's Jacoby Brissett, his eyes starting in the wrong place or him staring at slant flat and it's man to man. And there's nobody capping Will Fuller running into the middle of the field. And he chokes the ball and decides to tuck and run and inexplicably with a ton of separation. And, and I like what they've done to get away from the RPO with Jacoby versus how heavy they started the first two games of the season. Um, Do you think, in your opinion, um, this offensive style that they are calling now can and should be blended with what they started the year with? Because in my opinion, they were way too heavy RPO to start the year. And now they don't do any of it because they don't have Tua, and that's his strength. Right. So, you know, right. do you think we'll see a hybrid of these two kinds of offenses? Because uh, obviously the, the offensive game planning has been a, a sore spot for Dolphins fans, but I'm sitting here watching the calls, and it's like, yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, complaints to be had, but at the end of the day, like, you got to throw the football. you you got to identify who open guys are and throw the football. Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting. I, I go back look, I'm not giving coaching a hall pass through these first four, four games while we're talking about all these young players, George Gottsie, Stoodsville, Charlie Fry, whoever the combination is. And, and the uh, pissing contest that we've had trying to figure out who's doing what by the time they find the play, they call the play and do they change the play when Charlie finally gets it out to the quarterback? You know, I, I don't even care at this point. I, I really don't. The production's not good enough. We know that. Um, 
but it is their job. Those three guys, their job to go, what does Jacoby do best now that Tua Tungavailoa is out? What does he do best? What can he see? Because he's not seeing things down the field. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is, this is just my take, is Jacoby, when he does have time, sometimes already has his mind made up. I think he's already had a couple of checkdowns out in the flats to an outlet running back that instead of Waddle on one is running wide open, wide open. That's a 25-yard play, plus he's going to turn it up. Um, Could have scored on that deep cross. That's an easy throw and catch. I mean, he's wide open, and he, in my mind, for him not to see that, no matter what he says, here he had his mind made up. Oh, Ahmed's wide open out in those flats, man. I'm going to make sure I get it to him because – that that'll move the chains. That should help me move the chains and he can break a tackle instead of six. Maybe we get 10, but his mindset has got to be, there's some guys down the field that he is just, he's going to have to take some chances. And if he, I, I don't know if it's worried about interceptions, um, what it is, um, hasn't picked up reads real quickly. I know he's getting hit. Sometimes it's not his fault. Um, but he's got to do a better job to help those guys on the offensive line. It's just easy to always blame the five guys that are pass protecting. And, and uh, you know, we don't always pick up. I've seen more free safeties coming from the outside that we don't block. It's amazing. But um Jacoby's got to do a better job. Even with the, with the poor play, you get a chance to hit one of those 25 yard plays and you happen to have the right protection and you block it. That's his job not to be getting a six yard play. And if you know, you got a guy that jumps off sides and you got a free down, you got to go for it, man. If you're sure. And these guys are 99% sure around the league and the official don't blow that whistle. And they're going, yeah, we saw it, but we're going to play. Just continue. You get a free down. Kyle, you got to throw it down the field and go for it. Don't take the check down. If you do throw the interception, (laughs) it's coming back. It's you're getting five yards out of the play. So some of those things, you know, awareness, quarterback, coach, and and those guys, but they got to find things he's comfortable throwing. He wasn't real accurate early in the game. Even when he rolled out, he missed some throws. Jacoby didn't play great. I know we just kind of beat the offensive line. He didn't play well in that last game. I think he'll be a little more motivated to, to, to hopefully play a little better with this group, but um, he's got to play better when he you do get the opportunity. You know, we went through this last year. And that guy playing quarterback, Fitzpatrick, he, he was under a lot of these same things. All these same things happened with some of the same guys, matter of fact. And he made plays when he had a chance. So it does work. You just got to know where you want to go with the football. Two quick ones for you. What did you make of his comments uh, this past week after the game when he says, I'm, I'm still learning what throws I can and can't take? And I was a little taken aback by that because you're a six-year vet with 1,100 career passing attempts at the NFL level. Miami didn't pay you $5 million to come in and be a backup this year to not know what throws you can and can't make because if that was the case, they'd be out there playing Reed Sinnott, who's a better athlete than you are, right? Right. Yes. So Jacoby, and again, part of this goes back on the coaching staff. Um, I remember Ryan Tannehill didn't feel comfortable with certain throws. And so I remember talking to the coordinators and they were saying, he doesn't like it. We threw it out. We're not going to force him, even though it's there. We think we got the right guy running down the middle of the field, but he doesn't like it. 
he, he said, that's ah, not my, you take it out. We've had other quarterbacks. They like, Hey man, I, I know you like that play. And it's been one of your favorites with whoever your quarterbacks have been. Not my favorite that I'm comfortable with. Um, we got, we got to sit down that they have to sit down with Jacoby Brissett and go, Jacoby, what do you like best? What do you feel comfortable with? What, what were your best throws in camp that you made and, and do some of those things to try to make this thing. And, and listen, one of the reasons Jacoby came here, the other thing, don't think that Jacoby just wanted to come home and play Jacoby, like Ryan Tannehill looked and went, Hmm, the starting quarterbacks a little shaky and he's injured a lot. That's going to be my best chance to get a starting job once again mm-hmm. in the NFL. He and his agent spoke. You know that's the case. Like, hey, man, with everything going on, that could be a good situation where I could be and and has been the starting quarterback. Now we just got to play better. And he'll get at least one more shot of that on Sunday against Tampa Bay, oh, which brings me to my, my last thought for you, Joe. And it's not necessarily where – I was going, but, you know, one of the questions that, that we're getting a lot of is, you know, trying to find the root of the problems here. Right. And trying to, everybody wants a scapegoat. Everybody wants to blame one guy. Last year it was Chan Gailey, you know, for the offense that was in place last year when, when they, they kind of hit the wall in games, they'd put some points up and then they'd come to a grinding halt and they wouldn't keep putting points on the board and games got closer than you thought they should have been. But this year it's almost impossible to identify a single variable that's kind of the root of the problem because by design you have inexperienced coaches you have an injury with your starting quarterback you've got four starters on the offensive line who came into the year with less than 16 career starts so less than one season's worth of career starts at their disposal you've got injuries at the wide receiver position um, you, you still don't still trying to get a feel for how difficult the opening couple of games on the schedule were in general. So, um, what's your message to dolphins fans with their frustration? Cause as we've talked about, there's, we're not getting off the ride, you know, we're not going to quit and unplug the console and blow the cartridge and plug it back in and everything's going to magically be better. So what's your message as we try to work through the next couple of weeks, presumably, as dynamics continue to change, if we're going to make another flip back to two when he comes back from his injury, what's your message to Dolphins fans? Well, 100%, Tua Tungavailoa will be soon as he's healthy enough and, and can throw without pain, and he's eligible to come back. Um, he's the starting quarterback. I think we, we've all learned that. But that, that's a great point as far as what do you tell fans? We, we've done this for 20 years. I get that all the time, Joe. This is this is back. Saw that Adam Gates teased us with 10 wins. And next thing you know, we're bad again, going back to Sperano, same thing. And we went back to not being very good again. It's just a roller coaster. If I want a roller coaster, I'll go to Disney world. I can't take this anymore. So I would say this. Um, I still believe in Brian Flores. I think Brian Flores learned a lot. He's done a few things as I talk about. I know you talk about, cause we've discussed it. He's doing little things differently. I think he's learned a lesson um, on on a few things, um, starting with that that three man coaching thing that they're doing offensively is just, in my opinion, has not worked. And also, young guys coming in, man, let them whatever they do best. Let them come in and do it at the position they're most important, and they can say whatever they want. But they've started to see some success 
as you get more comfortable and you don't have to think and you can just play and do something that got you drafted in the first round to do, and that's be a pass rusher, man. Not drop back and try to cover and zone coverage and that guy's in my area. That's not what he did. That's not what he did at UM for you to draft him in the first round. So I think he's learned some stuff. Um, and, 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 and he usually does a lot better job making adjustments. His teams don't quit on him. And I still think there's some big upside, especially as you said, for this year's uh, draft. And I'm really looking forward to starting with the Jalen's Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle. I saw it last week with Jalen Phillips. He went out his first step. He looked quick for the first time this year. He wasn't thinking and Jalen Waddle, you want to talk about shaking up the game plan. Get Jalen Waddle the rock. You can't get him three times early in the game, and then we'll see you. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next game. Um, you got to get your playmakers the ball. And that guy took a couple of short passes and turned them into first downs. So, so you just we we got to get some development. It's got to come together. We're gonna learn a lot about Brian Flores and see if he can do what he's done the first two years, where we've gotten off the slow starts. And he's flipped it around. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this thing plays out. But I will say this. It all goes back to those two drafts. We, we loaded up on the two biggest drafts in the history of this franchise. Hell, a lot of franchises have never had this many top picks. You're talking about nine real quality picks in the first and second round in two years. Um, it's got to be about them. Um, the free agents are nice and they're a hit or miss. Overpaying, they disappear. But when you can lock a guy up on the cheap for four years, fifth year, if you like it, got to hit on those guys, man. Got to hit. And I don't mean average players. We got to find out some of those guys are frontline. Hey, those are the best guys on our team. That's got to happen. Well, and the best way to get there, as you just said, Joe, is continue to make things simple for them. Don't ask them to do too much and uh, put them in a position to be successful. We've seen the Dolphins over the course of the Brian Flores era do a lot of that, and hopefully they'll get more rooted in continuing to do that in this season moving forward after a challenging first month of the year. I, I, will, I will say this, because every time you get me going, every time I'm with you, um, this offense is under – a lot of pressure and under a microscope with our fan base, with everybody here in South Florida. I'm sure a lot of Dolphin fans are going to be watching those coaches. We'll just call them the, the threesome of guys and getting the best out of Jacoby for this game, making it competitive, having a chance to win against the Super Bowl champs. I'm really looking forward to seeing adjustments they make with Jacoby, the offensive line, starting outside with those two tackles and how they play, and getting guys the ball, your playmakers the ball early, not waiting to the fourth quarter to get Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki the ball, not Jalen Waddle disappearing. Um, and so those are all the things I'm going to be looking for. Tough tough week, by the way, for running backs. That defensive line for Tampa Bay is Monsters. at a different level. <laughs> 2.7 per carry. Uh, nasty. Nasty good. So – it's all out in front of Miami time to go out and play. Like you got nothing to lose uh, because the only realistic thing that you might have to lose is, is your job security in Miami. If this thing continues to not go the right way. Absolutely. So time to have a little bit of urgency from the jump. We'll see if the dolphins and their coaches are up to the task. Joe, 
thanks so much as always for your time. It's always great catching up, talking Dolphins football with you. Uh, I get uh, a ton of great feedback every time that you're on the show to talk about Miami. So uh, I'm glad that, that we can provide you with another outlet to uh, kind of deliver your message and your insight on the team because it is invaluable. I don't know that, man. You're really good. I get more compliments right back at you, pal. You have been great to your stuff, and um, it's great. I tell people all the time, I love having you on the radio. You really do your homework. You study the game. Good, Really, really good feel for, for what's going on with this team. It's great always being with you. Anytime you need me, call me. Call me, except at dinner time, you know, the appetite as you get older. I got to keep that weight up and stuff. But it's great, yeah. Kyle. Thank you. Of course, Joe, Rose, Kyle, Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. That's going to do it for us on this Friday episode of the show. We got one more coming this week, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled on the podcast feed. Thanks, as always, and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.